It's your girl Ashley. And it's your girl Erica. And welcome to That Girl Podcast. This is where we do what we do for the kingdom and the culture as we represent our gender and generation. Hey. Hey, girl. Well, welcome, welcome back. Hey. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, girl? The girl is just trying to make it through. That's Making all. It through. <laughs> That's all. Look at this. Is this green polish I'm looking at on your nails? Why, yes, hunty. I was, you know, a little festive for the mm-hmm. holidays. So I thought to myself, why not? I like, I like. You like it. It has yeah. a little sparkle to it. I said, you know, this is a little different for you, Erica. So go ahead and rock with this. What was the name of it? Tis the season. <laughs> <laughs> Jingle bells. What is it, girl? What was that? What, <laughs> what was the name it? of that? What is it? Christmas tree? What was that? Merry Christmas, baby. Is it- <laughs> was it Christmas lighting? Just let me know. But I, I really don't know. I saw mm-hmm. it and was like, oh, this is, look, looks festive. So. That's pretty. Yeah, so this is how you. bored my life is because I know this polish. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That looks nice. What's that? I know. And it's different. I love my that. excitement is changing my polish every two weeks. That is the extent of my excitement. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we are here. We are here for episode four of I believe it's four of that girl podcast yes it is four you got it right yeah yeah so we are going to be um recapping a bit then we're gonna go into p and talking about priceless today this is gonna be fun yes yes so last episode um we talked about the the letter o we kind of unpacked it Mm -hmm. talked about some negative things some positive things as it relates to o so if you guys haven't tuned into episode three already um o stands for obama yeah. So uh, we kind of broke down how that relates to the pillar of culture for us mm-hmm. and then um, kind of just went on the negative side of, you know, how do you take um, objections or being rejected, yeah. rebelling against, obeying. Yeah. And then also from a positive standpoint, we talked about being objective, how that connects to wisdom and maturity. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely some gems drop. You know, if you made it past our conversation of what it means to be basic and you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've gotten a couple of people like so this whole basic uh thing we're gonna have to just have a whole episode on basic (laughs) yeah because it's not the surface level it's more of a mindset and I think that's the clarity that if I could provide any (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's more of a mindset of not wanting anything extraordinary of being comfortable and complacent with what you currently have and we ain't never complacent. <laughs> like, we always want more. So that's right. kind of where all of that was kind of stemmed from. 
So yeah, so now that we've kind of are here, we've recapped a bit. Um, I'm gonna let Erica do the honors this week of introducing that girl of the week because I think this is her homegirl in her head. <laughs> <laughs> right, since we talked about Sarah Jakes, Robert, and Todd as like your girl. It is. Um, but so this week we're gonna talk about um Angela Rye. So when she says that Angela Rye is my homegirl in my head, she literally is like I kind of feel like she's like a part of my family in my second life. <laughs> in your second life? Okay. <laughs> in my second life. I do. I do. <laughs> so what I admire most about her um, is how vocal she is, how intelligent she is, mm-hmm. um, and how articulate she is when That's it comes fair. to um, speaking not only the truth to power, but when it comes to speaking truth about um, our culture and our identity. I think she does that in a wonderful way. So. Okay. For those that don't know about Angela Rye. Tell the, tell the people she, about Angela. <laughs> so Angela Rye, um, she is an attorney. Um, however, most people may know her from being a political analyst on CNN and um, NPR as a political analyst. She's also um, the principal and CEO of Impact Strategies, which is a political um, advocacy firm in D.C. Mm-hmm. And one thing that... I think I love about her when she's on The Breakfast Club is that I feel like her and Charlemagne have like this special bond because sometimes (laughs) like Charlemagne can go left and she's like, I got to bring you back in, brother, because I don't know where you're going. So um, she's very vocal on there. She actually, you know, appears on their show quite often as well. Um, She also... um, won an award at the BET Awards for um, I think it was like favorite clapback. You know she so. <laughs> yeah, she wants she wants to Michelle Obama's class. Yes. You. <laughs> so and so the funny thing is that because we always talking about you know what was your clapback? How was the clapback? Mm-hmm. And I need you guys to look up Angela Rye and I'm sure you will find plenty of videos with her clapping back on other political analysts and she goes hard in the paint and I love it. I am here for all of it. I love it. Um, <laughs> I be getting so excited. Um, one thing that she also did earlier this year, she had a work woke tour mm. that um, I thought was pretty dope. She wasn't here in Detroit, mm-hmm. but um, she did travel around the country um, and just talked about really um, our generation, our culture being woke mm-hmm. and taking that sort of concept in our professions. And so, of course, for what we do for a living mm-hmm. and how we talk to people constantly trying to help them grow in their careers, also having that sort of impression put on us was also just good to see somebody else talking about it from a political platform. So I thought that was dope. So if you haven't checked out Angela Wright, please check her out. That's my girl. You know, I will also say she is definitely a snazzy dresser. Did I say snazzy? What is up with me? This week, <laughs> I have been dropping all types of innuisms that are a little Inuisms. bit that are a little dated, you know, <laughs> yeah. a little dated beyond my time. I was like, there's more than one way to skin a cat. What? Why? But yes, Angela Rye mm-hmm. is fly. She's yes. beautiful. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, check her out. I mean, I can go on and on, but it's, it's not going to sound like a very uh, professional. <laughs> and um, you're going to be like, do you really know her or do you know her, know her? I feel like that's okay, though, because I think we all have an element of that when we find someone that we, like, relate to or we can see ourselves in or just can appreciate. In general, we we tend to make them normal yeah. <laughs> in our head. And, she, I mean, not saying she's not normal, but we tend to make them, like, our friends. Like, she, like I got her number on my phone. Yeah, like, you can call her. Like, what, a, what you doing, girl? Like, when you coming back to the D? 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome. So um, now that Erica's talked about her girl a little bit, you know, so I think this will definitely tie into who she represents and what she represents into this episode some. So there's always a reason to our strategy of why we choose the woman we choose for that girl of the week outside of highlighting awesome dynamic women. Um, so this week, we're going to talk a bit about Priceless. And I just want to give a bit of a disclaimer. Um, Eric and I, if you don't know, are black women. So everything we discuss today is going to be from the lens of a black woman. While there are going to be elements that are going to relate to women in general, I think we're really going to hone in and have a conversation about Priceless and how we unpack that. And what does that really mean to be priceless as a black woman? So for those that, that was well put, by the way, thank you. I try, you know, because I just want to let you know this is going to be a lot you of blackness is what you did. <clears throat> you did that. We black in this episode. Like we were, I can't be black, black. We black, black. Okay. You know, when you put, say it twice because you know it's real. Yep. 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 That. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So priceless. Um, Just to recall, everyone, D was deliberate. Mm-hmm. You know, um, O was Obama. Yep. Now we're at the P. So we're almost done with dope. I can't believe we're here. I know, right? <laughs> and P stood for priceless. And priceless was in reference to Proverbs 31.10, where scripture tells us a wife of noble character who can find. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. And um, this passage particularly for me is really, really interesting. You know, everyone talks about the virtuous woman, especially um, in the context of just spirituality and just in general, you cannot even be a person of God and still talk about, oh, yeah, I'm a virtuous woman just because it's been hit society. It hits society different now, you know, in the space of that. But um, I'm just going to read a bit of a passage from some of my Bible that I was reading as I was kind of going over this scripture. And it just says this passage concerning a virtuous woman is a description of the ideal wife mother includes several business ventures that were prerogative of men. Her accomplishments did not require her husband's supervision. Mm. On the contrary, she enjoyed his complete confidence in her. And all of this, her family members did not feel neglected. They felt blessed. Mm. That's deep. We got to unpack that. Go ahead, girl. Tell me your thoughts. (laughs) So um, business ventures that were prerogative to men. Yes. What? Yes. So when I, I mean, this is my first time seeing this, reading this. So (laughs) that's why I'm like, what? Um, But no, I think that this is pretty deep, though, because I think when you think of the Proverbs woman, Proverbs 31 woman, um, honestly, I would have never put that yeah into perspective like I wouldn't have added that piece yeah um, when it came to um, a proverbs woman mm-hmm. so that's why I'm like what? so pause <laughs> for the cause for any people that are like just biblical nerds out there like myself so this came from the spirit field bible so if you're interested <laughs> in learning where I kind of got the context of this from the spirit field bible is an awesome bible it was the bible that so was, was this like a footnote in the bible yep, it's a footnote in the bible so it kind of breaks things down differently when you're looking at scripture so this is the context that was behind 3110 good I mean I'm not a seminary student but I mean it doesn't take a seminary student to want to use this bible but no you're right because I'd be looking at all translations mm-hmm. I'd be looking at um is this NIV is this NLT <laughs> is this message is this amplified yeah. I'd be looking at all of them. Yeah. So it's just a spirit filled Bible. You can find it on Amazon. That's where I got it from. If you're interested, <laughs> just a pause for the cause for anybody that actually cares. Right. <laughs> and okay, so that's one. So then two, her accomplishments did not require her husband's supervision. Yeah. So that means she had a life separate of her husband. 
which is so important mm-hmm. to highlight because it, it represents that she had her own identity Ooh. and did not need her husband's validation on who she is. You better come on with the come on. Okay. You better come on with the come on with my catchphrase, boo. Like I, got, I like that. You like that. I like okay. it. I got Ooh, that from I like you. it. I got that from you. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yet, I mean, certainly you said that. I'm telling you, I'm over here like, what? Yeah. It just lets me know. Because I mean, like when we think of, when people talk about women in the Bible, like there's not a lot of references of powerful women that are widely spread, I would say. I think there were a lot of dynamic women in the Bible, and this is way too much to even dig into. There are books that talk about, you know, the most powerful women in the Bible. There were women that were definitely a part of the ministry that existed um, that may have not played a large prominent role like the disciples did, but they had very, very important parts of, of the history. So that's something to think about and consider. So just because you're not positioned in a certain way does not mean that you're not adding value in some kind of way. Yeah. And one thing I think I saw from this, her family members did not feel neglected. They felt blessed. And for me, what that tells me is that sometimes in society, we have this view that a woman can't pursue her dreams because she has to take care of her home. Mm-hmm. And it takes away from her home. And this is pretty much saying in so many words that that was not the case with this woman, that she was able to do both, probably had support from her husband in that space. This is me clearly adding my own layer of what I believe I'm looking at. But they felt blessed, you know, so you can actually have your own identity, do those things that maybe ventures that men were doing back in that time and still have a family that was anointed and blessed. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, if I had to say so, if you had to say, so. I think that was a very good breakdown. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I am really curious to see what um, our listeners think about yeah. at least about Proverbs thirty one ten about a virtuous woman. Um, so, yeah, let us know what you guys think about that, because I've, I've heard of many versions mm-hmm. of what a virtuous woman is should be uh what it looks like Mm -hmm. whole nine so very curious to what our listeners think yeah absolutely so in true fashion as we've done the last two episodes now that we've kind of broke down what our definition and what you know the context of the scripture that we've aligned to this so as we look at this as it relates to you know our four pillars that we've kind of described for our podcast this is going to relate to the kingdom and what does that really look like and what does that mean for us and we're going to draw this into more of I think a personal context with more of a biblical like background yeah um today so as we kind of dig into this um I would love Erica to kind of start us off with this whole position <laughs> and purpose so we're going to do the same thing we did last time where we kind of break down some other initials of letters that are really prevalent and make sense in the context of what we're talking about today. Right. So, um, so thank you for putting it out there. Like they, the listeners are probably thinking like, oh, Erica about to spit some bars. Cause she is about to spit some bars. (laughs) So when it comes to, um, the letter P Mm -hmm. and we're talking about priceless and to think of some of the things that, um, that starts with the letter P, we thought about position or purpose or mm-hmm. combining the both of them. Yeah. And so I feel that as a woman, if you know your purpose, yeah. you know what position to play. Mm, break that down for me. What does that mean? In every aspect of a woman's life, I really feel that whether it's at home, whether it's in your work, um, your profession, mm-hmm. your dating relationships, friendships, I think that in every 
area of your life, if you know your purpose, you know what position to play. Mm-hmm. Because there are times where you need to be a friend, but you need to be the friend to shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. There are times where you need to um, actually step up and articulate some things at work that most people probably wouldn't have stood up to say. Yeah. Then there could be times in your family where you may need to be the person that actually is the executor versus the one trying to figure everything out. You just need to execute right now. So there's just set, certain things I feel that once you have a clear understanding as to what it is you are here for, what your why is, what your purpose is, yeah. you you can fall real easy into what position to play. So how do you think that plays into just the various stages of, of becoming a woman? So I think um, when you when you say becoming a woman, I honestly went to like the seven year old Erica. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I say that because I do think that a lot of things, you know, how people say like, oh, you have, you know, childhood trauma and things of that nature and things yeah. carry with you from your childhood. Yeah. Um, I was thinking back when, you know, I was in elementary school that there were so many times where like some of the life lessons, I yeah. would say, such as being able to trust people. Okay. Um, you and as a kid, same thing as now, I'm a goofball at times. Mm-hmm. So that never changed. So I just liked making people laugh. But then I was also a nerd. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how can you be popular? How can you be a nerd? Mm-hmm. How can you be a goofball all in yeah. one? So I think learning and finding out just who you really are in this life uh, when it comes to finding your position is going to be a struggle. So it's interesting that you said that because it made me think about when we were younger, you could only literally be one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't be popular you and the nerd. girl place. Yeah, like you couldn't <laughs> be like boisterous and quiet. Like you couldn't be all of these things at one time. And I think we're now tending to embrace the fact that women can be multiple layers of who they are. Yeah. And that, that's even something for myself. I think as I've become older and become more comfortable in all the layers of me, I've learned to accept who I am. I am and know that no one else can put me in that box like I can be versatile and that's mm-hmm. a positive it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not all of these things but it means that I can be all of these things whenever I whenever I feel whenever like I want it. to yeah yeah so and I, I think it. at this the various stages we learn what these labels are mm-hmm. we yeah. um begin to walk into particular boxes mm-hmm. that most people want to keep us in Woo. And um, that can dim your light. That can um, really shift your own perspective about who you are in the world and who Mm -hmm. you should be. So it's very important at a very early age to just let girls be who they are. Mm -hmm. And and having a little girl, I have to let that girl be who she is because technically she's 28 in her head. She is, definitely. You know? That's true. So... (laughs) I gotta let her. I gotta let her be free. Let her be who she is. Um, but I think when we're when we're talking about position and things of that nature, and your purpose, it's going to be a struggle early on. I think as you get older mm-hmm. and you begin to realize or just learn the do's and don'ts and what you just know better to yeah. do, um, you begin to learn that okay, this is how I want to live my life. Yeah, you begin to have some sort of independence in terms of your own thinking. Mm-hmm. And when you have your own thinking, you begin to create your own rules for your life. Mm. So when you do that, then you can say, okay, and as long as you are in alignment with God, you're good. That's so key. then when you know your purpose, you know your identity is in Christ, 
then you can kind of fall in play and position yourself accordingly. That's real. So like when I go back and think about the scripture and I think about rubies and it's like, you know, her worth is Can you say rubies more. one more time? Rubies. Okay, that was. Oh, was, you like the way I said rubies? I did. Rubies? That was oh, nice. Okay. I liked it a lot. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when I think about rubies, I really think about um, which says her worth is far more than rubies. And rubies are something nice to look at. They had value. They were beautiful. Um, it was just very surface level, you know, of what they yeah. represented. And when I think about that, I think about surface level people think a, a woman should be, you know, and I immediately come to being a wife and a mother, mm. being complacent, being silent. Um, and it's like our worth is far more than that, you know, but do you think society has played a role into why we hold motherhood and becoming someone's wife so high over everything else that we could potentially do? Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's a yes. That's a yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we are t- in today's time, we're mm-hmm. fighting this um, this stigma of our worth and value yeah. in, in the world. Mm-hmm. And there was a period of time where our value and what we contributed to life, to society was given birth. Yeah. And so that for some women was like a badge of honor. If I was able to have children mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> raise, raise them up right yeah. and, you know, really focused in on building her children and her household in that way. Yeah. Um, that was what people, society at a particular point was like, that's what a woman is. That's what mm-hmm. a woman should be. And that's what she should be doing. Mm-hmm. Where now... Of course, it's a whole lot different, <laughs> whole lot different. Yeah. And um, so I'm really curious in your perspective as someone who um, I know who have been challenged with these sort of questions yeah. and have been, I mean, you're the godmother of my, my babies. Yeah, I love the babies. <laughs> so um, I, I'm really curious to know your your perspective on that because I can give my motherhood spiel. Yeah. Um, in which I will, but I think I want to hear your You know, your I think in honor of the holiday season, you know, when people, you go to family functions and the first question that women are a lot of times asked is, are you dating someone? You know, and I think it comes from a space of not really knowing what else to ask. Mm -hmm. So it just becomes normal. And then it's like, you know, you getting up there, you know, because, you know, I have a birthday, you know, that, you know, that's sometimes a big deal. You know, sometimes it's a pretty big deal. It takes that mid 30s, very serious. (laughs) (laughs) And so people are literally to the point where I've heard from family members, oh, I just have given up on you. Because I haven't done it by a certain time. And then I have other family members that are just like, so what's taking you so long? And then people tend to start, oh, girl, I'm good over here. I know you're good, but that's not good to hear, though. No. And then then people take it to a point sometimes where I think this thing happens in general. When someone is still in a certain space and they're like, they're trying to figure out why, then you see other people in front of you trying to unpack why it exists. Then you you find them asking you questions. They're like, well, I wonder if you're too picky. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. And it's like, um, I serve the author a time. I will wait until 40. Come that means now. that I'll be married for 25, 30 years. Like I'm no shade against anyone who has gotten married and has gotten divorced, but I rather do it that way than go through what I've seen my friends go through. Like that's not fun. 
You know what I'm saying? So for me, I'm patient and I can wait. But I also think that it took me a, a long time to get to this space because society will have you believing that if you're not a wife, if you're not a mother, then you're not complete as a woman. Like you're mm. missing something in your life. And not every woman can give birth. People have infertility issues. Not every woman wants to have children. You know, not every woman desires marriage. And I think that is okay because it's interesting because when society I, tells you that that's not okay. It's not like, okay. Every woman should aspire to um, want marriage yeah. and kids. And like, there are a lot of little girls that I know mm-hmm. that are around Sanaa's age. It's like, I don't, I don't want to have kids. I don't want to get This is going to be interesting to see <laughs> so their I'm generation. Like, oh, I wonder how this is going to play out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Because it's interesting because not even now when I say it, I find other people almost their immediate response is like a cringe. Like, really? Oh, my goodness. Or when I tell people, like, I will be fine if I never get married. Like, I'm not saying that to say I don't have a desire to do so. But what I'm saying is that if God's purpose is different, then I will find peace in that. And that's okay for me. But it took me until, honestly, about a year and a half ago to get here. So we're talking we're talking about 30s at that point, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, but I think what, what happened in that space is I found my identity. And my identity was not in what other people tell me in it. It's in, it's in Christ. Yeah. And when you find your identity in Christ, it's a little different in how you move and maneuver. So those things don't bother me. So I'll tell someone, well, I'll be fine if I never get married. And they're like, oh, no. And, oh, no. and it's like, no, you should be applauding that because that means I found wholeness in myself. Right. That's but we strange. don't look at it like that. We look at it like, oh, my goodness, she's going to miss something. And I think companionship is beautiful. I think it's amazing. I would love to have it one day, you know, but it's not my focus at all. Right. So I think that... um, Society will try to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. And I think that's why it's so important to take social media breaks if you're like a, a, a avid social media poster, you know, just because you'll get into the line like looking at others' lives and you're like, oh, this looks beautiful. And I'm a sap. I love love. So I be looking at pictures <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't want to rush anything that God hasn't designed for me. Like, you know, you see that meme where that girl has those really, really thick overdrawn brows mm-hmm. and it says this is what happens mm-hmm. when you don't wait on God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody mm-hmm. trying to be out here with Ain't some Mm-mm. No, no. Not we should post wrongs. that. We should we post should that post so that. they so they know what we're talking about because anybody got I saw that and was so sad. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I don't want that to be my I life. Like, mm, I ain't trying to be like that. I'm not. Yeah. Lord. So I think that um, bless her eyebrow, girl. Look. So I think when I think <laughs> of being far, what rubies could represent, it could represent what society is essentially tells us that we should accomplish. But not thinking of like would I have would I have went to seminary if I would have let society tell me that women are not pastors, women are not preachers, women are not ministers, women don't hold leadership positions, there's no reason for a woman to go to seminary, then I wouldn't be in school. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? So if I let if I would have let society write my purpose, I would be miserable. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of where I think I would end with that piece because I don't think there's anything else to say beyond that. Yeah. Don't yeah. let society write your purpose, y'all. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was good. Yeah. So for me, um, so having children, mm-hmm. um, have been a wife, and for me, when it comes to that, it has been a not necessarily this. I've achieved this goal in life for me. Mm-hmm. It I wasn't a checkbox. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have that um, experience. I would say or mindset um, because. I still, it was one of those things where it's like, I knew I had a bigger purpose in my life. That's real. But I also had children. 
and mm-hmm. my babies are my world. Yeah. And um, it was very hard to balance that. Yeah. So instead of balancing those two and trying to figure that out, I just caved into being a mom, caved into mm. being a wife, and I completely lost myself. So I just the- want to pause for a moment and just want people to imagine what it means to cave in. Yeah. Like, think about being on a surface that you thought was solid and thought you thought you had it all figured out and then stepping into one space and, like, everything falling up, falling in a, in a hole. I love how she did that because she's been with me through my whole journey. So she apparently saw me when I fail. Yeah. <laughs> and saw it all cave in. But seriously, that's that's what it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, completely lost myself. So everything that I love to do had nothing to do with me. Mm. So um, Ashley, listeners, if you're listening, she would tease me and say, Erica, the only time you buy yourself something is when you get a gift card. And when did I get gift cards? It was birthday or maybe Christmas. Mm -hmm. It was only a couple times a year when I got gift cards. And those are the only times I actually bought something for myself. And it was like small stuff. I didn't, it wasn't like, oh, you really did that for yourself. Y'all, and she'll be in storage tripping over that. I did. I was. I was having buyer's remorse whole nine. But don't let me walk into Macy's. I'm like, ooh, that tie is nice. Ooh, but that shirt would go good with it. And then I walk into Old Navy or I walk into Children's Place like, ooh, ooh. And I get really excited. So all the things that got me happy and I was really excited about had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. So um, and it was really losing that identity, losing the the definition of who Erica is, mm-hmm. um, and not really valuing myself is was is really what it boiled down to. And um, mm-hmm. so now I'm at a different, a much different spot in my life where I completely know my worth. That's real. I know who I am in Christ, and I am now very good in standing in my truth Mm. now is it easy no because standing in your truth is is not only about just being honest Mm -hmm. with other people it's also being honest with yourself more than anything it's also about accepting your truth and loving who you are unconditionally and sometimes where I waver is I can accept something in my life that may not be great Mm -hmm. I can accept it but to love it and embrace it unconditionally is where I'm challenged at times and that piece in itself like I said so standing in your truth is just has been a journey and continues to be a journey but when, um, if you guys haven't noticed, that's just one of kind of, I would say, my mantras or mottos or whatever catchphrases you want to call it. But I really, really stand by that. And it takes a whole lot for someone to stand in their truth. It is not easy at all. It's probably one of the hardest things you would do in your life. Um, but it's so worth it because mm-hmm. you can't be who you are. You can't be authentic to yourself and to this world until you're able to stand in your truth. Because when you stand in your truth, that's power. That's real. No, that's so that's so important because you said you waver when you have to love that piece unconditionally. To wrap up like position and purpose, I think of when I lived in Tennessee. Like I lived in Tennessee for about a year, and while I was there, it was the first time where I managed like a I managed like a semi large staff. 
And I had women on my staff that were just okay with where they were. Like they, their job was for an income. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily for like upward mobility and them wanting to grow in their position and things like that. And actually, and that's kind of where I, that's kind of how I was raised. I was raised, go to school, get an education, get the heck about the hood, get, get a good job. And if you get married, you have kids. Great. They're raised very differently. They're kind of raised where you go to school, you get education, but that's primarily where you probably will meet your husband mm-hmm. and you, you have a job because you need to bring in an income and you are a wife and a mother and that's it. And it was just such a different mindset because I wasn't used to working with people or having people work for me that didn't have like a, a mental grind. A to grind work. to really yeah. do more. Yeah. And I mean, and, is there, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I want to take a moment to acknowledge that everyone may not be like Erica and I, you know, yeah. in a space of wanting like more. Like our goals are humongous, you know, things that we want to accomplish in life. And yeah. some, some, some women's goal may literally just being amazing mother and a wife and that's enough for them. And that's, enough, and that's okay. And that's perfectly fine. Yep. And I think that was the first time I think I res I saw that and it resonated with me like, wow, yeah. that fundamental, like just goal and just background was so different than mine's to where it produced a completely different mindset. Right, right. And I'm glad that you touched on that because it's not that women must go against the grind. So if no. it is, yeah. for example, I do aspire to be an amazing mom, an amazing wife. Yeah. And if that's the purpose that God has called her to be, then by all means, Girl, that is where it. you that's where you're going to go, because mm-hmm. what she's going to do is be able to show the world how God works when you are yeah. an amazing mom, when you are an amazing wife. And so we need that in the kingdom. Absolutely. So yes. Don't want to knock any woman who's that whose aspiration and goals is just that. And that's mm-hmm. OK. Yeah, absolutely. But we just want to take a moment to acknowledge that everyone may not have the same type of goals. I think the truth is that comes out of this is just standing in your truth and understanding what your purpose is and doing that and being great at that. Yeah. And God gives you your purpose. So long as you you stay in in alignment um, with God Mm -hmm. and not what what society is telling you or what the gram is showing you, um, you, you're on the right track. You're on the right track. So. So let's kind of dive into the next, um, the next word here. Yeah, because I kind of touched on it a little bit. You did. Um, you kind of started there. <laughs> I kind of started mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. So um, the next word is power or powerful. Um, so like I said, when you stand in your truth, there, um, there's a lot of power in that because no one can take from you what you have, mm. what you own, what you control, and you are in a hundred percent control over yourself. Yeah. So with that said, for women um, and in the kingdom, what does power look like to you, Bestie? Um, I think power is confidence. I think power is ownership. I think power is accountability. You know, you know, when something happens in the world or something happens to you and it becomes something negative that may come out about you. Like it's about how do you control that narrative? Like how do you take that back? And I think power is owning who you are and whatever that looks like in any space. So when I, when I hear this question, honestly, I went to um, someone, when I think of, you know, what does power look like? I think of a woman who is, um, is in a position of influence, Okay. whether that can be within the community, whether Mm. that can be um, at church, um, whether that could be in her household. Um, Leadership is something that um, 
isn't necessarily connected to women in our society. Um, Not in a way where it is just the norm. Okay. Um, So that's one. Two, I would say um, power looks like articulation to me. A woman who has a voice Mm -hmm. and has no problem in voicing her opinion. And I'm not saying that she has to be the loudest voice in the room Mm -hmm. to get that attention. But it's more about the articulation of your thoughts, your feelings, or this process or this policy and break it down in such a way that makes people say, oh, I like her. She was she broke that all the way down. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I get so, that. So um, and being to art, being able to articulate, you know, very, I would say, complex things and into a very uh, simplistic way. Um, and then also respect. Mm. And I would say um, for I would say for a woman showing that you have respect for yourself. Yeah. That's and key. then you're able to show respect to others. Mm-hmm. And people say respect is earned. And I think the best way to do that is to show respect to yourself yeah. and give it to others um, because you show people how to treat you. You do. Absolutely. You do. You, you show people that. Mm-hmm. So once you begin to respect yourself, people are like, okay, I see what she's about. Yeah. I'm not going to do this. Or you know what? Maybe this will work. Cause I know she, this is how she works. This is how she operates. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with that said, um, so that, that's what I, when I hear, power and what does power look like for us as women um that's that's what it looks like so i think all those things kind of tie into standing in your truth but yeah um, i agree i think those are the things that kind of pop out in my mind you know i think owning who you are and who god called you to be um and standing your own definition of who you want to be and just being respectful yourself and others just to kind of summarize that without apologizing for it it's just ways you can take that power back because i think when we allow people to treat us differently and we find ourselves compromising in ways that don't sit well with our moral and internal integrity then we lose a little bit of our power and it's natural season i'm going to take back everything <laughs> that's mine you know what i'm saying like and that's just because of who i am you know and it's just one thing i have to realize because being loud doesn't mean you're ghetto, you know, right? Because like, I've always had a loud voice, like my voice carries, I've always had some had, I've always been someone who's had something to say. And that's always been looked at negatively, you know, mm-hmm. and I had to learn to take my narrative back in that space. And it's like being passionate doesn't mean you're angry, or you have an attitude or you're intimidating. Because I've been told my entire life, oh, well, you're just intimidating. And it's like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm just passionate about the things that I care about. Yeah. And that passion is conveyed in the way that I articulate whatever I'm talking about. But let me ask you this. When people say, you know, you're angry or mm-hmm. and you're like, no, 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 I'm passionate about these yes. things. What do you think people need to connect with to understand that it's not anger, it's passion? I think people need to disconnect from stereotypes. That's one. That's all I got. Because <laughs> it's like, because I'm, because it's not even about what to connect with. I think it's connecting with a level of objectivity to be able to view a situation differently and disconnecting from the stereotypes that people have told you. Okay. And for me, that's something that is so important. You know, mm-hmm. in that exact moment to say, nope, I'm not angry. I'm ac- I'm passionate about what I'm speaking about. So in that moment, I'm trying to educate them, but I'm also trying to remind myself that that's not what it is. Don't uh, don't attach that to your narrative. Yeah. Because people may have you thinking that the way you behave 
behave is wrong. And if I'm not being rude, if I'm not being disrespectful, then I can have passion in my tone and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's up to you to understand that and learn that about me. Mm. You know, so it's not. So that's where I was going with it. For yeah. people to learn that you about you. You have to learn you. that about and me. And people taking the opportunity to actually learn a person and learn yeah. kind of what what or why they are so passionate about yeah. this so I, that's just a deeper dive but I just wanted to know your perspective go ahead no and it's crazy because it's just like and being ambitious and being ambitious doesn't mean it makes you any less of a woman you know if because mm, you yeah. know how you hear like I think of the best man, which are like one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. and I think about that scene when they're around the table and they're playing, they're playing poker and are having this conversation and they're talking about one of the main characters, Jordan, who was played by mm-hmm. Mia Long, yep. and she's this big, strong businesswoman very in this ambitious. movie, very, very yep. ambitious. And Morris Chestnut makes a comment and says, "A woman like that is two steps away from being a lesbian." Right. Like she can't have femininity because she has ambition. Because she's too, yeah, she has, she's too ambitious. Baby, I got femininity and ambition. Okay. Because I think (laughs) there's a beauty in being a woman and I think there's a softness to it, but there is also a layer of, we got to get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think that sometimes that throws people off. So when I right. think of like you are no less than a woman because you're ambitious, I literally think of that scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah, those things stand out. They do absolutely. Oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I just think it's I, like I said. I think it's snatching season. We should be taking back everything society has told snatching us. Different. That's what we doing in 2020. We snatching. What? That's what we That's doing. That's about to be my bottom on 2020. <laughs> we snatching in 2020. What you snatching? All these goals. Okay. Like I'm snatching everything back that's mine okay everything i let other people take from me and i let snatching it back snatching it's snatching season and we you can't even say it like normal this is a snatching season no this is snatching you gotta put some nasty on it like (laughs) yeah so i think that's important to recognize and understand so when i realized those things about myself it made me be way more comfortable and I stopped conforming to what other people told me I should be like, you mm-hmm. know? So I think that's where you go back to your yeah. mantra of standing in your truth has never been more prevalent in my life than it is now because it's certain things I just refuse to compromise on. Yeah. And that's, I think, for whatever reason, that's where I feel where women in the past let their power go is by compromising on an element of who they are Mm -hmm. and compromising on something that they valued. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was heavy. Mm -hmm. Let's go on to something a little lighter. That hit me hard. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's real. So the next one I would say would be, um, this one could be go positive or negative. It can. It can, we can, we can go either way, but for, for women, I feel like, you know, we're always put in this box of women. They got to be polished. They got to be pretty all the time, all the time, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to men, because men want their woman to be pretty. They want them to look good. And I don't blame him because I want him to look good. That's real talk. So honestly, that's going both sides. And the double standard there. But we don't really (laughs) talk about the trophy husband. We talk about the trophy wife. We talk about the trophy wife. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on women to really look a certain way, be a certain way. Because Mm -hmm. you, all the makeup, body alterations, plastic surgery, the whole nine, you don't see men doing that. No. Like they don't, they're not, oh, let me go out here and and get my, my butt done. Let me go no. out here and, you know, make sure my eyebrows on fleek. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not something that is 
important to them to the extent where it's like I'm doing this for attention. And I think a lot of it, the negative spin to this is that a lot of women that put themselves in positions or not necessarily put themselves in positions, but do these things out of trying to get validation and attention Mm -hmm. is coming from that negative space because their identity has been defined by a man or by just what society is telling them what it should be. Mm. You know, that's so interesting because when I think about like all of these body alterations and I'm sitting here and I'm saying, when did this really hit? When did this become so like big? And I think it's always been there, but I think social media and scrolling and the life of Instagram models oh and, goodness. you know, you, you. And the sad part, everybody know it ain't real. Like really, but they don't care because <laughs> don't it looks care. okay. Because it look good. Because like no one cares that it's not real anymore. People just, I mean, like men will say, I want natural, I want that. But these same men are the ones on Instagram double tapping on every single picture of all of these alterations mm-hmm. so it's just like and that's cool or they fellas. get with a girl that look like she's fake yep pretty <laughs> like, much I thought you for the sake the of an image for the sake of an image so mm-hmm. i think there is beauty in it being a woman because you can play up makeup you can not wear it you can do whatever mm-hmm. like i literally can look one way like last a couple weeks ago i had an event that i was at and i went from looking normal and basic as all get out at work to coming home and changing clothes and completely transformed in like an hour. And it was amazing. You know what I'm saying? You're going to you gonna have to show them what, show hey, them. You got to come on with the, come know, on with that, huh? Baby, it's cold outside. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> baby, it's cold outside. You see this far? You see, Do you this, see far? this far? Sure. You, you know, so far? I just think there is a beauty. I, I love the versatility of being a woman. Absolutely. You know, in that space, but I think there is a negative side to that. Yeah. And I feel like also like for women, um, because we're just criticized so much for mm-hmm. what what we look like, what yeah. we wear and and everything. Like even at work, um, I think women are because I would say for myself, given a personal experience, mm-hmm. um, being a woman of color, um, I got hips and you do. And, <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like I find myself putting on pants more mm-hmm. in certain or in my in my, you know. Yeah. Prior experiences, um, just wearing pants more and kind of just dumbing it down in terms of my femininity Mm. um, so that I did not get that attention. Yeah. And I am just not the type of I'm just not the type of girl that actually likes that attention because I don't like men looking at me like I'm a piece of meat. Yeah. Like you you know, they still do. Right. Oh, my goodness. Regardless of what you have on. I just I can't. And so it's just, it's a disgusting feeling for me. I understand. (laughs) I get that part. So to be at work and to, for a guy to notice that it's like, "Uh -uh, I'm going to put on some pants. I'm not going to wear a dress today. Mm -hmm. And I had to switch that mindset and just say, no, I'm about to look good today. And I'm going to wear this dress with the hips that I have and just be grateful that I got hips because there's women out here that ain't got none. And I'm going to go ahead and sway it as soon as I walk out my office. Boop, boop. Just like that. Okay. (laughs) Like what what was that, man? Like boop, boop. Just Thank like you. that, left to right. I appreciate it. That's what that was. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we have to be mindful. And I would say, because I am in human resources, of course I get these questions all the time. I get these concerns all the time about mm-hmm. women, young women, and what they were to work. Yeah, I don't know where that got lost. Maybe that skipped a generation <laughs> too. I'm not sure. And it's like, you know, Erica, you know, I, I don't know what to tell her, but she really, I mean, her pants are too tight or her shirt is showing too much. And it's like, I feel that while as women of color, because we have curves, mm-hmm. um, we need to also understand how to dress to our body. 
versus what I just think is cute or what old girl had on that I think is cute that I'm going to buy because I think it's just cute. You have to understand the curves of your body and not just at work, but period. That's my opinion. But since we are more criticized, especially in a workplace, in a professional environment, mm-hmm. everything down to a T2, oh, her collar is, you know, it's not, um, it's not pressed. It's not ironed right. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I've had this. Her you pants. I'm looking at you like, right, are you right. serious? Her yeah. pants are just wrinkled. Okay. Um, but then if someone comes dressed to a T, mm-hmm. polished looking good coming to work. There isn't, I like that outfit. Good job today. You're not doing that. No. We're not doing that. But as soon as somebody come looking sideways, oh, I just don't know. I mean, they don't adhere to the dress code here. Like, get out of my face. You know, the sad part about it, it'd it be us talking about us. That's literally what I'm thinking about, too. <laughs> it'd be us talking about us. Yeah. And, and that's sad. And that is so sad because I do see, and I see a lot of women talk about other black women. Yep. Like black women talking about other black women at work. And it's like, well, I mean, honey, tell her to fix a crown and let's move on. Like, come on. Yeah. Like I remember once we were, I forgot what event we were at and like somebody was having issues with their pants and like they were falling down and like everyone was like talking about it. And I was just like, I literally walked up to the girl, gave her my belt and it's like, hey, put this on. Like, don't wear those (laughs) jeans anymore. First off. <laughs> Literally, because if you're going to talk about somebody, be a part of the correction process as well. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, so we have to be able to build each other up, too, because that plays into how we view ourselves mm-hmm. and how we support ourselves. You know, so I think that's something that's really, really important to realize as well. You know, and I think it just all goes back to wanting to be that girl, you know, because when you think about who was most liked and who was popular, not even just in high school, but in, even in college and in the workplace. Yeah. It was that woman that looked good. Mm-hmm. That had the perception that had it all together. You were you were never a person that looked average or just like you didn't even put any effort into what you wore, or how you viewed yourself. Because you wanted to be that girl. Period. Period. So I think it goes back a long time of why we do this and why we think we have to be a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. But I also think that I'm 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 down with I understand the concept of where you're coming from when you state we have to be mindful of what we wear. We have to make sure that it's, it's appropriate in the spaces that we're in. But I also think that um, you have to do what makes you comfortable as well. And if you don't want to be the person that put on slacks and wear a button up or a suit every day, then maybe you shouldn't work in a certain kind of environment. You know, That's like true. you have to understand your your balance of what's for you. Because believe me, there are most days where I am thankful for higher ed. Because I don't have to dress up nowhere near as much as I used to at work. Now, I miss it sometimes. But at the same time, it's not a necessity for me anymore. So I get to be a little bit more casual. I can just throw on some khakis and some gym shoes and keep it moving. So we do what we do. And we do it for a reason. So definitely. Absolutely. I like it. Yeah, so we're going to move into, um, we are, we're we almost there, guys. We only have a couple more peas. I know this has been a little bit lengthy, but this is some good stuff. So we just want to keep going. I like the meat and potatoes. You know, I like a little meat, well, potatoes and some vegetables now. <laughs> like, get a little vegetable in there, please. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. So I think um, we, I think if we're talking about another pea, and I think we talked about this and alluded a little bit to this already, and just perfectionism and pressure. And what does mm-hmm. that really mean? You know, I think we put pressure on ourselves to be perfect in what society tells us and what history has told us. And that is a lot on yeah. women. And that's a lot to unpack yeah, as well. That is a lot. Um, I feel like perfection, perfectionism is, is a disease. Um, mm-hmm. And I literally think that um, 
like people are sick because mm-hmm. of perfectionism. I agree. Because of the the level of intent you have on being perfect mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Yeah. Like I cannot move my foot until this work is done. And when it's done, I must double check it 18 times to ensure that it's perfect. Every I must be dotted. Every T must be crossed. I'm like, look, I'm about to go home. So <laughs> Jesus still working on me in that. Cause I'm, <laughs> you're like, I'm, I still be sitting there. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, in everything, like I'm, I'm a firm believer. This is complete transparent. Cause we said, we're going to be honest. I would tell people like, you got to pick a struggle. Like I'm already a voluptuous plus size woman. I can't be plus size and I know how to dress. I can't be plus. Like <laughs> you got to pick a struggle, man. Like you can't be pick out here looking that. crazy, like all around. Like, so I, I rock the heck out of my curves. And I've always looked well doing it. Va-va-voom, honey. You, know, you better get it. That's what she tell me on the phone. She's like, you got that va-va-voom. I do. All the time. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, but for me, it goes down to not a level of like complete perfection, but what can I control in the space of like how I look and how I'm being perceived and what I wear? Yeah. I like dressing nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I like those things. And I like perfection in my work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Jesus is still working yeah. on me. He's the man after now, my heart. Now, wanting perfection in your work is different from perfectionism. That's fair. Um, I think we should all strive for excellence. I think that should be the case. Um, but I also, you know, find that it could it, it's overkill when mm-hmm. it comes to you know perfectionism. When it when you want to just be perfect in any and all things or yeah. just this particular thing, like everything is not going to be perfect. Calm no, down. Not at all. Save your life. Save your heartbeats. You know, it's just you're doing too much to your life and your heart. So, um, so that's one thing. And then I also think that, um, what we mentioned before regarding pressure, Mm -hmm. um, that perfectionism, I think we, we kind of put that pressure on ourselves too, because we want to be competitive. Yeah. Competitive in the sense, like when you think competitive, competitive with other, with men, Mm -hmm. because men are competitive too. Yeah. Um, but I think the way in which we approach being competitive is mm-hmm. different and the things that we're competitive about at times I think are different as well. I think for women, um, we're competitive on the things that um, that you don't see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would say like competitive in a sense of where we're trying to control that narrative like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, because we're trying to control the story that's truly being told of ourselves and we're trying to prove that we're worthy, prove that we're knowledgeable, prove that we're just we're just better. Mm-hmm. That's what we're we're trying to do, and honestly, I don't think men do that. I no. think they just. I think do. they are who they are. <laughs> they just do. Yeah, I think <laughs> so. You're right. To have that level of freedom, like they have, it's like, how can I get there, girl? You look. know. And meanwhile, we over here, we've been taught, or I would say, conditioned mm-hmm. at a young age, how we kind of started out talking about this, um, that we must outdo every man mm-hmm. because we can do everything that they can and even better. And then, I, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and then we must be better than the other girls. Yeah. And it's just like, so you're in straight competitive mode all the time. Of everything. Of everything, <laughs> yeah. right? And then, it, it, but you're so competitive in such a way where it decreases our natural ability just to be able to connect with people yeah. in a way that women naturally are able to and be purposeful. Yeah. Like That's that real. piece is not even thought of when we're talking about being competitive because mm-hmm. that's I feel is the complete miss of of being competitive there's nothing wrong with it I am low-key very competitive mm-hmm. you probably will never know because I'd be low-key with my competitiveness not really It'd no be high key 
Hi. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, it cannot take away from the natural ability we have as women to be connectors. So, yeah, I think that kind of just goes back to standing in your truth and being true to who you are. So there may be areas like I can easily say I am not in a space of not being not taking on an element of, not of perfectionism being like I not. just no not I'm not there yet I'm working on it but I'm not quite there because I like things to look and be a certain way it's I'm a little type a um okay I'm a lot type I will, a. I will say I wouldn't say a little but <laughs> I am a very I'm glad type you, a person you no brought that around you know self-awareness you know full circle you know so I think that we have to start giving ourselves grace mm-hmm. and that's something that I struggle with but it's something that I'm getting better at yeah. when things happen is giving myself grace when what my life look like looks like and what I look like may not be what society tells me it should be may not be what my background tells me it should be mm-hmm. may not be the narrative I've told myself at one point you yeah, know, so yeah. and giving myself grace within that. And I think that's really, really important. That is important. Mm-hmm. So in 2020, what would you say, um, like who defines what a woman is and who get to have say in what a woman's identity is? The woman. <laughs> I really wish people because we have to start recording <laughs> like in so people can see our facial expressions because you're like, I'm sorry. The only answer is the woman period like that was a period that was a sentence that was a full sentence okay so how do we transition into it being just the woman because we already know society has had a huge hand and Mm -hmm. and a huge say as to what a woman should look like act like all of that i think we kind of talked about that i think it's a matter of standing in your truth and being true to who you are and it's snatching season right so snatching so we snatching back everything. You know what I'm everything. saying? Everything. So like, I feel like that's so let's talk important. about this one thing that we're going to be snatching in 2020. We snatching in 2020. We snatching perception. That's going to be the other P. All right, let's, okay? let me talk about this. <laughs> and this is where we're going to wrap up our piece for today because I think this is something that's so important. And I think for me, it's like, a tr- it's like not a trigger, but I hate the connotation of it. You know, so we have this perception as women. I read this article the other day that was floating around um, social media and it talked about how black women have never had time or the space to be angry mm. because we have we have to worry about the perception that exists. So I remember at one of my positions previously, I had a supervisor who was a black woman and we were in the midst of like our my evaluation and it wasn't anything negative like I had done something, but she kind of threw in a little reminder to say be mindful of how you act because you're being perceived. You ha- you have this connotation of an angry black woman to be co- you have to control the perception of it, right? Mm. And I remember when she said that and I was conflicted because in one space, I can understand what you're saying in terms of a layer of professionalism okay. and exuding yourself in a certain space in these certain arenas because we're in professional America. And right. then on the other end, it's like, but why is that my responsibility to try to control the perception that you perceive of me? Yeah, that's not my responsibility. Sorry. And then this is another black woman telling me this. And I think she thought she was doing me a favor, favor. Mm-hmm. to say, oh, girl, you good. Like, yeah. but don't do this. And it's that for me. I feel like when you tell me that, that goes beyond code switching. That's almost like conforming to everyone else's idea yes. to make them comfortable. Yes. And I think, so when I talk to people um, at work or just in like professional networking sort mm-hmm. of situations and we begin to talk about things like this. Yeah. Um, and it's really about educating yourself on generations. So we have the traditionalists, you have the baby boomers, you have Generation X, Millennial, and Gen Z. Though mm-hmm. that's the the generations of our times. Yeah. And if you do your research and 
experience, like have mm-hmm. conversations with those that are a part of these different generations, um, you will learn as to why they're telling you that. Mm-hmm. And you will learn different behaviors of certain people. Now, granted, I know baby boomers that act like little kids. You ain't never learned. <laughs> so I'm not saying that the labels that I'm putting out here, such as baby boomers, Generation X, et cetera, yeah. that all of them act the same way because mm-hmm. all millennials do not act the same way. That's um, but what I'm saying is that looking at a generational time frame is mm-hmm. really where I'm coming from, because I've learned that when you look at a baby boomer and they're say, for example, this person, let's just say they were Generation X versus mm-hmm. a baby boomer. Generation X, in my opinion, how I would put it together would be the generation that actually t- looked at what the baby boomers did and was like, yeah, see, I'm not about to have blood, sweat and tears trying to do some work. But what I am going to do is create this blueprint and I am going to manipulate it in a way so that I can make it up the ladder yeah. and I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. So that sounds good. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when they've created the blueprint as to how it should go, what they did when they did that to me, in my opinion, what they did was also infused the well. If you want to make it up the ladder, you got to be like this. Yep. If you want this job, then you got to do this. Yep. And those things weren't necessary. Well, not all of them, but some of the things were not within our best interest. When I mean by that is it wasn't in our best authentic self-interest. No, that's real. It was about conforming. Mm-hmm. And because thinking about baby boomers, they did what they had to do to survive and get their family through. Yeah. Generation X was like, all right, I'm going to get an education and that's going to get me out and I'm going to be better. So I'm going to make this blueprint and I'm going to make this work and I'm going to make it happen. But they did that at the sacrifice of themselves or their family. Then you get to the millennials and we like, uh, I mean, I get it. I, I respect it. That. But I ain't for the bull. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, real talk. Like, I, I'm I mean, not doing that. Mm-mm. I mean, I get it. You know, I appreciate you. And then I talk to my students <laughs> and they literally are like, not even I appreciate you. That's just a no for me. <laughs> right. Like, like, no, that's stupid, actually. I'm not doing it. And you're like, no, no, no. Okay. Let me help you understand. That, no, I'm no. not interested. You're like, mm, okay. Yep. That's literally <laughs> them. I would never forget having a conversation with a group of my students of color at the end of a conference. And we had this conversation. And at that point, I realized that we were the type to start changing the tone. And they're like, oh, this is a negative for me. Yeah. I'm not doing any of this. Yeah. I'm rebelling against all of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's crazy how millennials have such a negative uh, reputation or this stereotype. And don't get me yeah, wrong. There are some millennials that they get on my nerves, just like it's some Generation X that get on my nerves. Facts. So, um, but all in all, this perception kind of tying this all, you know, back in just for us as black women in America, like you said, it goes well beyond the code switching mm-hmm. and that conforming. And so when I receive feedback like that um, or something along those lines, you just have to be mindful of a place of where it's coming from, because I'm sure she was told that at some point in her career. Absolutely. And she probably thought there was nothing wrong with what I'm she said you to out, me because she thought she was helping me out. But what she was was feeding into the stereotype that already exists. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I was able to kind of capture that and be aware of it. 
But it made me be like, man, look, we it be our own people. <laughs> Jesus, it be us, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's just like, that's not fair to me because that's making me be something that I'm not. And then it took me a long time because I struggled and was miserable because I was trying to fit someone else's idealism of who I should be and not being true to who I am. And then when I decided to just say, forget it, like, I'm just going to be who I am. Either you're going to accept it or you're not. Then that's when I start finding peace in my workplace. Because for a long time, I was conflicted because mm-hmm. of these literally exact reasons of perception and what you're told to. And when you like want to grind and you want success, then it's like you trying to do what you can to get there, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. so you're following, like you said, the blueprint that was laid out for us. And we think that's going to help us achieve success. But I think one thing I am grateful of in social media and just things being more like public platforms is we see that now being done completely differently. Yeah. Like no one's sitting yeah. into a box. We create in our own boxes and adding ones on top of it. Yep. You know, and I am grateful for that because that has given me like even more confidence and more confirmation that we are heading in the right direction. And it's not about it's not about code switching. It's not about conforming. It's not about any of that. What it's about is being comfortable with who you are and using that as a platform to educate others that things can be done differently. Mm-hmm. And maybe you should look at this with a bit of objectivity. A bit. That's Just a bit. Just That's a all bit. That's all I got. No, that's a, that was good. So, I'm giving you all types of kudos today, girl. I'm like, that's good. You know what? I do what I can. Sexy chocolate, and just walk off the stage. Mike Why had to be sexy chocolate though? Because I went back to coming America. Okay, fair. Because you know the part where you're like, that boy good. Yeah. That's where in my am head. I, yeah, yeah, that's where it went. That's, it's it did. cool. It did. It's I love cool. us. Okay. I love us too. I love us. You know, and just literally this week, our I love us is us. Like real <laughs> talk. Because we've had this whole episode talking about black women and how we out here doing it. I mean, we miss America. We miss America, Miss Universe, Universe. and everything. Okay. Though. Like what? Everything. Like you can look, you could turn on the TV and see somebody putting All a on some natural hair. Mm. Girl. When she, girl, when I say I was like, Rooting for her the whole time. I was at home shaking like, come on, South Africa. Come on, South Africa. <laughs> like, that's how it was. That's confirmation. I'm being South African next year. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, yes, I'm going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I just think it just shows that we are reclaiming our power and position. And that yes. the more things like this happen, there are so many things that we can mention in stories that you can probably even tell us about ways and things that you've seen to where we're reclaiming our power and position. Yeah. You know, and we're not allowing what society tells us or what history has told us. You know how tired I get of seeing the first black person, the first black woman. And it's just like, man, I'm happy (laughs) because it's happening. But it's like at the same time, it's like we still have so far to go. We still got. Yeah, (laughs) we still got so far to go. So it's not it's not a norm. We're still making history. You know what I mean? It's not at all. So that's okay. We're going to keep making history. Exactly. So if we continue to love on us and love on others then we'll be able to hold hands and get there together. That's what the Bible said to you. That's real. Love yourself. Love others as you would love yourself, if I got that right. You did. That's a commandment. So, yeah. 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 So, I think that um, to wrap this up, you know, it's that time again. So, Bestie. Yes. If it had not been for what? Mm. Let's go there. What are you thinking? I'm going to go back to... um, if it had not have been foe. Oh, that's a foe. That ain't even an R. <laughs> right. There's no R there. Um, but no, I would say if it hadn't been for, um, honestly, really losing myself, I mm. would not be the girl that I am today mm-hmm. that honors um, 
transparency, honors um, people showing up yeah. in my life, and honoring myself and being able to stand in my truth. Yeah. Um, that stage of my life where I did not um, honor myself and didn't really honor my worth yeah. allowed me to be who I am today, to be able to stand in my truth and be confident in telling others, you can stand in your truth too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. I don't know what to say. Hmm. <laughs> so, Bestie, if it had not been for... Yeah, we there, huh? Yes. <laughs> if it hadn't been for that, you wouldn't be that girl. Which girl? I think that if it had not been for the level of uncomfort that I had in my spirit, I would have never uncovered the beauty of the versatility that I have. Your words are so beautiful. I should write a book. I mean, <laughs> that makes best. I mean, that was just no. I think that amazing. I, the I, uncomfort, yeah, and uncovering. Oh, I didn't even catch the, that. Oh, I did. I'm over here in like in awe. Like, oh my goodness, this sounds so good. Yeah, like I, for me, seriously, like people try to put me in a box. They try to put me on a pedestal. Like she's the smart girl. Oh, she's the good girl. Oh, she is this. Oh, she is that. And I couldn't be all of those things together. Yeah. Why is that? I hate that people do that. Because people have to label things because they it's just got what to. we do. You can't, you, know? be, you can't be pretty. You can't be smart. You no, can't, you can't be all of it. You can't be all of it now. No, like you just can't no way be possible, all of it. Right? No. And that I remember dumbing myself down in certain areas Woo. so that other people can have the light. Mm. that will never happen again ever again never will happen again mm-hmm. um i do recall that because i was that girl that knew how to dance knew how to sing knew how to act knew how to i just knew how to do a whole lot of things yeah. and for whatever reason people don't like when you know how to do a lot of things no they don't <laughs> people don't know how to handle that versatility mm-hmm. and um so then I began to be like, you know, I just kind of stay in my lane over here and I just dance and I'm just going to do this. And I'm just not even going to do all the dances that I like. I'm just going to do this kind of dance just so that I'm not stunned on anybody else. Or, anybody got time. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm, no. I put too much energy in trying to make everybody else good. And, and then you miserable. And I'm miserable and missing out on life. It's too much peace out here to be walking around like that. Mm. Peace is out there for the taking. It's just like air. Just breathe it. That's one thing we snatching. Peace. In 2020. <laughs> snatching some peace. <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys for rocking with us again. Again. You guys are amazing. You know, leave your comments and your thoughts. And No, I really want to know your comments. Real talk. Like for real. So interact with us, y'all. Like, Every, we, we have so many listens. We want people to talk back to us now. I know. So, uh, you know, hit us up in our DMs on Instagram. You know, you can hit the email at thatgirlpodcast313 at Gmail or just thatgirlpodcast on Instagram. You know, hit us up. You know, so we are posting a little bit more, you know, so we get near, you know, yeah. we're not the best social media posters. I mean, you know, we making it do what it do. Area opportunities. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. You know, and just stay safe. And snatch- this is snatching season. Snatching. Hey, we taking snatching. it all back. We snatching in 2020. <laughs> so leave your comments talking about what you snatching, snatching in back. 2020. That's a good one. What you snatching back? Let us know. You Let know us know. What you snatching back in 2020? Snatching, sne- Ooh, snatching season. Yes. I'm All right, y'all. About it. I am too. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. This has been another episode of That, that Girl, Girl Podcast. Podcast. Bye. Bye-bye.